Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzow. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a show about weirdos, doggone it. My name is John Fahey. Joining me, the eternally gorgeous boy under the sun, Mr. Aaron Joseph Pita. How are you, Aaron? That's that's me. That and, is you. And I'm doing all right. You look fantastic. Thank you so much. I didn't shower today, but um, the sun shines on me nevertheless. <laughs> always. Always. You know, you know who is the sun and light of my life? Wow. Tell me who. He's to my right. Yep. Matt Brousseau. Oh, hi. Beautiful uh, man. It's wonderful to be here. I love being here. Matt, you're the best ever. It's great. Yeah. I enjoy this. Uh, folks, if you're not on the Patreon, we are dropping some hot fire on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a few shekels a month. Minimal. Minimal. But we basically, uh, we try to feed it as much as we can of extra stuff. Um, there's a lot of odd shit that pops up on there. We've had some roaring episodes on there. The Laura Crawford episode was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Civil War. Whitney Milton episode was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. We um we've had uh, Radiston on the program as well. Radiston um, Yes, um, it's been incredible. If you guys will subscribe to that, uh, it will make the podcast survive a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Help us harder, <laughs> faster. <laughs> come, what is it? Come harder. Come, come harder. Come longer. Come, come more. more. Yeah, wow. that's uh, what was that? Was it Max Load? Max Load by the good folks at. MD Science Labs. MD Science Labs, yes. Uh, that was a product Aaron and I found in a shop in Little Tokyo that they didn't want you to take pictures of. They said, please don't take pictures of this stand. Of the max load. And the max load, I was like, Aaron, 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 take a picture. Aaron, Aaron, look, 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 look. Come harder, come longer, come more. And we were supposed to take it, but we never took it. Huh. I've taken it. You've taken it? Yeah. Did it work? Didn't, did not prodigiously increase my ejaculate. Huh. It was just green. <laughs> come different. <laughs> it's like Apple come, computer. Come, come the rainbow. Yeah. She comes wow. in colors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, this week of the Patreon, I'm going to do a little uh, profile. Yeah? Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Have Is come? that about that, uh, that uh, Irish-sounding chap you were talking about? Yeah. I'm very excited for that. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. excited for that. Um, yeah, please get involved with the Patreon. Uh, it uh, it uh, it helps us survive, and uh, you'll get some fancy merch out of it as well. Mm-hmm. But right now, a very special treat we're so rarely graced with, a profile from the most beautiful man on earth, hands mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Hands, hands up, hands, hands down. up, man. and down. <laughs> Even if you got no hands. Arms up. This guy looks good. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you got some shit for me. I... I know the name of the character. I haven't looked anything into it because I've been dying to hear you grace me with the story of. I want to talk about maybe the greatest loser <laughs> uh, in the history of uh, basketball. Really? Pistol Pete Maravich. Wow. Uh, he uh, was maybe like the original great white hope. Really? For basketball. And uh, he never, he never, um, he never really achieved the true greatness that that he was projected. Right. They gave him a nickname before he did anything. <laughs> right. He. I mean, he he was. I mean, uh, he was 
bred for this. I mean, he later in his life he would he would call himself as a as a youth a basketball android. And to to learn a little bit about to know Pete, you kind of have to know his dad. His dad was Press Marovich. His name his dad's name was Press. Was that mm-hmm. short for anything? No, his name was Petar P E T A R Marovich, and he was the son of Serbian immigrants. Mm-hmm. Lived in Aliquippa, uh, Pennsylvania, which is like this you know coal town, mm-hmm. and um, and Press. Uh, like didn't even like graduate high school proper, um, had a lot of odd jobs and he played quote unquote professional basketball. But back in these days, I mean, basketball was a very new sport by the time press got it when press got into it. I mean, they didn't have like backboards were not regulation. It was all peach baskets. Yeah. It it, it literally was peach baskets. Short Jewish men in peach baskets. What kind of era was that? Are we talking about? Like 1920s. Okay. And 10s. Yeah. Um, Basketball was invented by Naismith in like eighteen, I want to say like eighty five. Right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Go to Springfield, Massachusetts. Check out the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Oh, yeah, it's the only good. thing to see in Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but when Press was playing like backboards, or like maybe it had a backboard, maybe it didn't, um, and the hoop size are different, the regulation height wasn't set. So, um, but Press became a quote unquote professional, traveling around, barnstorming, just kind of attracting crowds, and he he was very very good. Uh, he was also like a, a visionary of the sport. Um, and he he had visions of one day uh, their basketball would would sweep the nation. He said, within a century, within a half a century, basketball will sweep the nation, if not the world, and people will come from miles around, packing stadiums to watch, you know, uh, supremely athletic people playing the game. Wow, L- large athletic players playing the game, doing things that we can't even think about now. Um, he was thinking that there might be three point shots instituted. Wow, twelve point twelve foot rims. Um, wow, twelve foot colorful rims. uniforms that people that would draw the people in and halftime acts and things like that. Interesting. And this was when people it was basketball was almost a novelty mm-hmm. when press was playing. Um, and then press served in the military, and then he came back and. Um, he went to a prep school. Like he was, he, he lied about his age, um, and then he he kind of aged out of playing. And but he was still a, 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 like a, a tactician and a visionary, and eventually got into coaching basketball. Um, and so he started getting into coaching um, like junior college and high school basketball, and um, and then he met a woman, and he got her pregnant, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> they had a kid, and uh, their kid would be his, basically his great experiment. And this kid was Pete Maravich. Mm. And uh, I mean, he put a ball in the crib, and uh, <laughs> that must have been the size of the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put a ball in the crib, and um, can't no no sids if there's a ball in there. Yeah, I mean they would say you know Pete Pete was kid was, was covered uh, in dimples. <laughs> He's orange. <laughs> as soon as Pete could walk, he was he was dribbling a ball, and um, and you know, press would would basically treat Pete like he was almost described as like Geppetto. And Pete as Pinocchio, Jesus like he was this Christ. very incredibly <laughs> proud father of, yeah. of Pete, but all, but still kind of controlling him through the drink. Like you'll never believe what my boy can do. Right. So Press would have, I guess that's kind of that's kind of the 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 Tiger 
dad's yes, story, too, yeah. right? Tiger Woods? Yes. Yeah, like from a very, very young age. Yeah, there was also a, uh, a football player, um, Southern California football player, like in the 90s. I forget his name. Um, but who was... Bill, who, Bill Brady's kid? No, no, no. Uh, I forget his name, but another kind of um, Eastern European name, but I forget his... He was a high school quarterback white kid phenom mm-hmm. but then eventually he got he got burnt out and, and started getting into drugs and stuff yeah and, contact sports yeah. yeah he got burnt out I mean uh, Tiger it's worked out great for him he just yeah. won, he won a tournament so he's, he's doing fantastic he had a couple of rough oh yeah years. you're I, right I, he, I, he was into piss by the way <laughs> really oh yeah oh we gotta do we gotta read the text about messages. that uh, so anyways so press would um he was he was a basketball maniac, and he would have the other coaches over for like coffee and cake after after the day was over and stuff. And he said, "Hey, you got to check out my boy Pete." And so he would invite the he invite everybody down into the basement where he had Pete. Uh, he would have him uh, <laughs> chained dribble- to a hoop. No, <laughs> he'd have him blindfolded, dribbling a basketball through his legs, around his back, off the wall. Oh my god! And then he said, "Check this out." He put gloves on him. He'd be wearing mitt, like gloves, winter gloves, blindfolded, and he'd be just fucking dribbling up a storm. Uh, and so he would he would go around with his dad. His dad would teach like basketball summer camps, and he would take Pete with him. And Pete would be like, you know, sitting on the ground, dribbling, but just doing globetrotter shit. Right. Did, and, yeah, I'm in a tent for five cents. Come see, <laughs> come see Pete. Come see the amazing human android basketball player. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so then Press would do stuff to kind of like mind fuck Pete into like falling in love with the game of basketball. So like he enrolled, he, he got him to play uh, football and Pete was, he, he was a slight kid. He was skinny, but he was lanky and a, and a decent athlete. Um, and so he got him into football and, oh, but he would God. like, he would, um, like he would tell the coaches and the other players like, Hey, uh, fuck him up. Cream him. Yeah. Fuck him, so yeah. he doesn't want to play football anymore. <laughs> and that's what they would do. They would play Cream Pete, and then he quit football. Oh, uh, he, did, he, did he call him a quitter afterwards? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I think well, he, Pete, there's always see what, basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see what happens when you don't play basketball. You can't dribble a football. <laughs> uh, he would, uh, he would hit him. He'd take him out in the summer and, and hit him fly balls. And he would, like, intentionally hit them, like, high and into the sun. And, like, one day, you know, one caught him in the eye. And he had a, oh, God. He had a black guy. And, then, you know, they stayed up all night putting ice on it. And he's like, eh, well, how do you feel about baseball now, Pete? You know? Right. How do you but, feel about girls? Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> just going through everything? Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, you can always come back to it after they <laughs> kill me over a gambling debt. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Michael Jordan reference for the uninitiated. Uh, the way he got Pete really into basketball was basically by uh, locking him in the house one summer day and uh, going out himself, press, and shooting basketball looking like he was having the best time of his life. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he mind-fucked him into, into loving it. It works. It did work. Dude, uh, what an agenda to have with your child. Yeah. Like despite this, they they really they had a good quote unquote good relationship. They really did love each other, right? Yeah, but it is very much like I'm gonna oh now I'm gonna treat you. Yeah. You're an extension of me. Like in the book I read, Pistol, um, like they really do kind of play up. There's this whole like kind of like father son, God and Jesus dynamic that they had between them. 
right. um, because he was almost like he was his father. He was an extension of his father and not yeah. he was serving a greater purpose. You know, he, he would he would go on to be a basketball ambassador and not even really have anything of his own. Right. Um, like I said, a basketball. That's what I kind of mean is like it, it's like, you know, what takes first place is is my son the basketball player or my son and it seems like it's there was no difference yeah yeah um it it even it had repercussions in in the family too his mom was a depressive and an alcoholic and everything revolved around them Mm -hmm. he he had a brother too he had a a brother it it was actually kind of a um a half brother from another marriage but press raised him as his own son. Mm-hmm. Um, took his name and everything, uh, Ronnie, and like Ronnie went to Vietnam and came back all fucked up. Right. In, in the meantime, like this was later on in his, in his life when when Pete was becoming like a bona fide superstar, and it just it like it it superseded everything else about the family. Right. Um. So, anyways, uh. Basketball and, and and the pursuit of basketball greatness was the all consuming, dr- all consuming. Like he would have Pete hang from door frames to stretch him out. Uh, he wow. was a really really skinny, slight kid. Like I said, you know, they go to the doctor and the doctor would be like, Pete, don't turn sideways when I'm talking to you. I might lose you. Right. <laughs> um, he had really skinny. Good, good doctor, Nick. <laughs> yeah. They they try to fatten him up, like giving him like you know raw egg milkshakes and feeding him Ovaltine and shit, and he just really liked eating candy. Um, and he was running around. He was playing bat. He was playing basketball all the time, all the time. He like he would sneak into gyms with his buddy. Like they'd break into gyms just so they could play. Yeah. Um, he was playing with black kids a lot. One a time that you weren't allowed to really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would get like comparisons to Elvis because of his. Being white, playing a black man's style of basketball, right. which I'll get into later. Um, but like I said, he was really tall and skinny. They didn't make any. Um, there wasn't like a lot of elastic in, in socks to stick around his skinny ass legs, so he would wear these really floppy gray socks that eventually kind of became his trademark. And so um, they were just kind of like bunched around his ankles. He was like he was. People said he looked like a recently liberated prison camp refugee. Like he was that skinny. He had kind of like these sunken Eastern European eyes, Marovich. Right. Um, he got out of the camp with McCain. <laughs> but <laughs> my brother be- dunked on the Viet Cong. <laughs> 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 my brother Ronnie. His. <laughs> <laughs> so this is still, but this is still like in the fifties and sixties, like as as Pete's a young boy, because he was born in um, nineteen forty seven. Okay, so this is in the fifties right now. Um, dude, this, the the shit his dad would make him do was out of fucking hand. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like over forty different drills that his dad would make him run, um, like agility and ball handling drills like things that he would call the pretzel the ricochet the crab catch the punching bag the flapjack they would do the ricochet was one where he would he'd stand like uh with his his feet slightly wider than shoulder width apart and he'd take a basketball raise it up really high and then slam it down as hard as he could between his legs and catch it behind his back and do the same thing back and forth back and forth they said it was like a boxer on a on a on a speed bag right and like the whole the whole trick was to like you know build your 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 hand-eye coordination and avoid gonadal trauma yes right testicular smithereening yes absolutely we would call it of course the doctor would make fun of you for that certainly certainly um it's interesting to me that 
with all of like the pressure and the routines forced upon him that he would still want to sneak off and do it in all his spare time. Like that's a very delicate form of coaching. Yeah. For a young person from their father, especially. Yeah. It's um, because he, rebellion is just like bred into you that you're like, man, fuck my dad. You know what I mean? And like, but that your dad could be so overbearing that he could actually get you into something that you wanted to to do in all of your spare time is incredible. Yeah, he was. A, he was. He was a. Um, he wasn't a bad guy. He was a good dad. But like the line between coach and dad didn't exist. Mm. And he, I mean, Pete genuinely loved, I mean, it was part of his identity. He would dribble everywhere. Mm -hmm. He would dribble on the train tracks. Yeah. He would dribble in the movie theater. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. He would, uh, his dad. Watch this movie. (laughs) He would keep time like a metronome. Yeah. He, his dad made him lie down across the back seat of the car and dribble out of the car window, out of the car door at different speeds. Oh my god! And he could do it. Jeez. He one day uh, he was at like the you know the the drugstore with, with some kids, like where you get in a phosphate or whatever you get back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, and some kid bet him that he couldn't spin a ball on his finger for an hour for five bucks. So he does it. He spins, starts spinning the ball on his finger. And when when his index finger starts to get red and blister and bleed, the kid's like laughing, getting ready to count his money, and Pete switches to the other finger. Yeah. And then he switches to his ring finger mm-hmm. and then to his pinky. And when that one starts to bleed, he switches to his thumb. Damn. And then he switches to his knuckles. And then he switches to the other hand and Jesus. does it all over again. Oh my <laughs> and God. he did it for an hour. Yeah. And he won the five bucks. And he said, I got my five bucks, but it cost me 15 bucks to fix my fingers. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He would... um uh, he would uh, he would go to bed with the ball, practicing practicing his shooting motion until he, w- he fell asleep. And he would repeat to himself like a mantra: he would fingertip control, backspin, follow through, fingertip control, backspin, follow through. Just falling asleep on his bed, shooting, shooting, shooting. And one night, uh, he it was like a driving rainstorm, and he woke up in the middle of the night, and he he broke out of his room barefoot like basically in his underwear and went out with his basketball on his, on his backyard court and dribbled around in the rain uh until he basically had like an ecstatic moment and he like raised the ball to the sky and like shouted out you know in in ecstasy and he's like i know that if i could dribble here i could dribble anywhere and playing basketball wouldn't be a problem for me and this wow. was like 12 or something <laughs> Um, His dad's in the living room licking his chops. Dude, that is fucking bananas. Yeah, he um he uh he played on the varsity high school team as a seventh grader. <laughs> Jesus. And like he he was super scared. Like people like they didn't believe that he could do what he could do. He was giving players like black eyes with no look passes and stuff. Jesus. Um he, he he was absolutely dumb, and he played his, he played for his dad in high school, um, and so by the time that he was a senior, he was like the most touted. I mean, he he was getting. 60, they must have thought he was a total freak. Yes, they must have thought he was just like he was. He this is where he he got the name Pistol Pete, a, a, a writer. They tried a bunch of different names, and and because he was so kind of like 
week, he would have to shoot from the hip early on in his career. Oh, that's, that's good. Where they got the pistol, and it was alliterative. And that's it, very, and very and good. I wonder what they were going through before. They're like, <laughs> uh, Peter. No, 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 no. In, in, the bo- in the book, they they list some of the other ones. I didn't write them down, but <laughs> right. there are some other ones. But pistol just worked, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, other schools would just like they couldn't stop him. Like he, he once scored sixty nine points. Uh, and, I mean, actually, I think he scored more than that in a high school. Game. Yeah, but they, because high like, school, high school, point. they had thirty minute games. There were no and and they're, they're, even in call, there were no three point lines. There's no twenty four shot second shot clock. He was scoring incredible amounts in high school. Yeah. Um, other players would just put football players on their team just to try and stop him. Right, just to like rough him up, and the, and this would be a pattern throughout his whole career. Just people beating the shit out of him to try and stop him because he was making people look like fools, and they did not like that. This was before there was nobody who played basketball like this. This is the era of set shots and chest passes, yes, and unathletic white guys, right? You know, playing basketball, yeah. No, there. Doctor- but he must have been able to get around, get around most of those big guys anyway. Yes. He would, he would probably still just dunk yeah. on them all day. He could. He didn't. He couldn't, couldn't actually dunk. Yeah, he but, couldn't but, dunk I mean, until <laughs> theoretically. He actually never dunked in a game in his life. Right. He could dunk by the time he was in the pros. Yeah. After he went through like a bunch of training and stuff, um, but he never he never dunked in a game. Yeah. Um. So he was uh, he was a superstar in high school, um, and his dream was to go to West Virginia, like Jerry West. Mm-hmm. Who is the NBA logo and, and was actually one of the supremely athletic guards that press had predicted would come about, um, along with Oscar Robertson, mm-hmm. um, who who had up until that point the the scoring record for NCAA basketball, which Pete would then go on to break. Wow! So Pete eventually went to LSU, where his dad. Off, was offered a coaching position. Ah, nice little. His dad got the head coaching yeah. position at LSU, which is a football school. Yeah, this is not a basketball school. This right. is before Shaq went there. This is before anybody went there. This is a football school. They played in a place called the Cow Palace. It did not have any basketball pedigree. Right. But Press went there, and uh, and Pete followed. And this back in the day, uh, freshmen could not play on the varsity team in college. Uh. So, Pete, who was already playing with college players when he was in high school, dominating them, yeah, played on the freshman team. Mm-hmm. Um, he was averaging like 50 points a game, 47 <laughs> points a game as a freshman, God. playing other freshmen. James Carville, the Raging Cajun, mm-hmm. was at LSU at the same time as Pistol Pete. Really? Yeah. And it, I love James one documentary, he's like, listen, mate. Six thousand people will come watch Pistol P play for the freshman team. By the time the varsity came in, there were six hundred. Wow! They would pack the shit out of this cow palace to watch Pistol, and then they would leave. Yeah, and to watch the varsity, nobody gave a shit. Yeah, what was that cow palace? Because I've heard about it like doing like all kinds of different shit. The cow palace. Oh, they did everything there. They did like wrestling. It's yeah. probably yeah. rodeo. Yeah, 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 yeah. They would have to leave. For road games, because they were doing rodeos and stuff. That was part of, like, the de- Like, they couldn't... Right. It, it just wasn't a basketball thing. Later on, yeah. they would go on to build... They would go on to build an arena, and they called it the house that Pete built. Damn. I can't play. It's full of bulls. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's dribbling through the bulls. <laughs> and this is this is where, like, Showtime was born. Like, he, 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 got, the, he got the bite 
uh, he got addicted to putting on a show. Really? Yeah. But yeah. I imagine after the the ten thousandth time you've scored thirty points in two quarters, and there's six thousand people there to see you, you're like, I will play to the crowd now. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what happened. He he learned his brand. Yeah. And and it, and it was frustrating for all the other play, like a lot of other people, but especially the other team. Um, and also when you're not winning a lot. Yeah. As a freshman, he won a lot. But when he got to the when he started playing varsity, the LSU was a better team than when he got there. But they weren't a winning team. They never went to the NCAA champion or tournament. Period. Right. They got they came in fourth in the NIT by the time when he was, when he was a senior. But he <laughs> was it. Excuse me. I'm I'm sorry, real quick. But was it also tough for the teammates? Some of them. Right. Later on in the pros, yes. I mean, but in college, like... everyone's just happy to play with Pistol Pete. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. And 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 writing, I mean, he was a he was a celebrity. Yeah. Um it also kind of builds them up too, I guess. You know, you're kind of like Joe Piscopo next to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, hey, I'm here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh his dad said Pete will make a million dollars playing the game of basketball. In one game he took an elbow to the eyebrow, gashed open, he left, went to the ER. He came back, didn't even bother to say hi to his team or coach, went straight to the scoring table, checked in, and then went 12 for 12 from the, the free throw line and scored like 18 points in, in the final, Damn. the second half. He owns every LSU record in points scored with 3,667. Scoring average, 44.2 points a game. <laughs> it is an unbreakable yeah. college record. No one is even close. Really? This is before the 24-second shot clock. This is before three-point shots. Yeah. To do that now, all you would have to do is make 15 three-pointers a game every game for three years. Wow. It is an unbreakable record. That's Damn. amazing. The next person is 36 points a game. And then below that is like 34, and it's Oscar Robertson. No one will ever come close. Uh, he has the record in field goals attempted and made, and free throws attempted and made, season and consecutive um, uh, games played. He was a three-time unanimous All-American in college. Uh, let's see. Uh, his averages in... The three seasons he played as a varsity athlete at LSU are 43.8, 44.2, and 44.5. Jesus, uh, wow. Is, he had 50 points or more 28 times in college. Uh, I mean, and, and in that day and age, they were scoring like 80 points a game, maybe? Yes, yes maybe. Mm-hmm. The college games are, I think they're 48 minutes long, mm-hmm. not even 48 minutes long. What did he look like doing it? I mean, like I know that's a, like a weird thing to say, but how, like, like, did, like his style, it's like a yeah. Dirt, yeah, but I mean, that's a big part of sports is the look, yeah, right. I mean, was he was he just so fast around everybody? Yeah, nobody had ever seen anything like it. The closest thing was the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, in fact, when he graduated, he was offered a one million dollar contract to be the first white Globetrotter. Wow, <laughs> wow. Um, he instead passed that up was the third overall draft pick in the NBA and signed the biggest contract in all of sports history, period, at that point. Really? $2 million. Oh, my God. Nothing. Nobody had ever done anything like that. Jesus. Uh, during this whole time in college, though, he was a drinker. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Right, so his, his, 
exclusively piss. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. So his dad's not around now. This is the well, one one part of his life his dad can't control. Right, and this is his rebellion. Mm. Because he was drinking to alleviate the pressure that was on him. Because nothing, like, if he, you gotta understand, your average is 45 points. If you score 40, you gotta score 50 the next night to make up for it. Yeah. It, it was never enough for him. Or he drops a fork in the lunchroom. For press? No, no, for Pete. For Pete himself. I think Pete took the pressure off. He took press's pressure and made it his own, right? There, there was right. very little. I mean, pressure. Press, press was his very good. <laughs> press was his biggest fan. Yeah, and, and yeah. his biggest advocate. Like, don't don't point, foul Pete. Don't pull him out of the game. Right. Do what, the offense ran around Pete. The, do the, you think at this point he had already done everything that Press wanted him to do? Kind of. Almost. Okay. W- was there anything like? I mean, Press got his coaching job because of Pete. Uh, that was probably some good old boy shit, right? Uh, it's part of it. I mean, Press was a legit basketball genius. He roomed with yeah. John, like him and John Wooden were very good friends. John oh, okay. Wooden was okay. a coach of UCLA who mm-hmm. went on to win like eleven or like three back to back national titles. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. seems like the two of them going to the same place was a little too convenient. That seemed a little. I mean, to me. Thinking about how college sports are now and how bribey it is they back it, then. They knew it was a package deal. Right. But Press got the job before Pete got the offer. But right. it was... Well, plus they were just both amazing anyway. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Was... Press was a was a very, very, very good basketball mind. Yeah. Um, did, but did his dad ever put that pressure on, so we need to fill the stands, the the... If we're losing, the crowd's not as happy. You you need he would he ever take that pressure from the stands and put it on his son? No, that was that was all Pete. I mean, when Pete realized that he was selling tickets, he kind of made it his own thing, mm-hmm. and that would go on to throughout his whole career. Was he was he he put butts in seats? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not banners on on in halls. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably I mean similar to like the Mildred Burke thing, where it's like, oh. People are really excited that I'm doing what I've always been doing. Right, not just oh, this cool. person. Oh, yeah. cool. Now I'm kind of hooked on. I mean, yes. oh, you, yeah. you people get it. Yeah, yeah. I am yeah. doing good. Yeah. You appreciate me for, for, for being myself and right. you know, maybe in a different e- way. Even in his pro career, he would even go and ask people, like, did they like it? Did, did they like what I did? Like, yeah. He was, he was, he, he, he needed that um, affirmation mm-hmm. and, and um, accolade. Like, he, yeah. he, he just lived for it. Um, when he was in college, he was on the cover of Time and Newsweek, Life Magazine, Sports Illustrated did a cover story on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Woody Jenkins, uh, really... country music song mm-hmm. singer, uh, wrote a song called The Ballad of Pistol Pete. Um, after Pete died, uh, um, Bob Dylan wrote a song um, that was inspired by him. Wow. Um, he, he, uh, he had this one move... <laughs> In a game, uh, and he did it a couple times, but the first time he did it... College game? In a college game, yeah. Where he would dribble, and he would like kind of like move his hand, or one free hand around the ball, around the, like, yeah, okay. like a, like almost like a magic trick. And he got called for traveling, and uh, he yelled at the ref because he was a little bit of a... You know, he was a prima donna because he was a coach's son, and he got, he, he got all this special treatment all the time. And uh, he would say, "How can you make that call? You've never even seen that move." <laughs> yeah, and like they would go, but they had to go back and look at the tape, and they're like, "Hey, you're fucking probably right." Yeah. Um, the, announcers would only want to call the game with other experienced announcers because if they had younger guys, they would be speechless. 
They didn't know what to say. Oh my with god! With all the moves he was doing, yeah, he would do like <laughs> he would do um, between the leg, behind the back bounce passes with English on them to catch guys and like in stride on the fast break. He... Little Joey's shell shocked. Bring in old Merle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need somebody who's seen things. <laughs> Get me, a, get me a WW1 vet. <laughs> um, but understandable. Yeah. How do, I, how do I even describe what's going on? Right. You, you needed, there were no words yet to describe it. Right? Yeah. What's the point of, of the, the season pro to explain sports if we're seeing a thing that's never happened in that sport before? Yeah. I mean, I mean but that, that is the thing. The, 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 the weight of the radio announcer to witnessing a sports first. Yes. So, folks, he, he kind of, <laughs> the ball is floating, and his hand's moving around. He's cast a spell on the ball. He, he's the looking ball's one way. Uh, uh, he, I guess he's, uh, the ref says he's traveling, but I don't see his feet moving. He's actually 40 feet away from the ball. <laughs> if you could see this now, <laughs> he's spitting up. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, really, what, I mean, what a fucking responsibility to have to describe to these people and, and and that was the thing. A lot of times people be like, "Oh my God, folks! Oh, we right. are seeing something new here." Oh, there was some dude in the stands one time. Pete did this like bounce pass that had English on it, so it looked like it went one way and then went the other. And some dude, it had like a revival atmosphere. This guy got up and said, <laughs> "I sees you, Pete. I sees you." People would freak the fuck out. Um, <laughs> it's a religious thing. Yeah, yeah it, it, it did have that atmosphere to it. Um, there, uh, there was a Tulane game. They were at Tulane, and it was it was packed. To the brim, it was six. It's a regional battle. Six thousand. Yes, it was six thousand Tulane fans. They took up all the available space. They all left believers that night. Um, They all gave him a standing ovation. Amazing, including the opposing fans. Everyone except the Tulane bench. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He, one of his teammates, he would do something like every every couple of games, he'd do something that even his teammates had never seen before. Who you know, they were practicing with him all the time. They say, "Hey Pete, how come I never saw you practice that one?" He said, "Oh, sure, I have lots of times." And he would say, "When?" He would go, "In my head." (laughs) So he's 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 working on another level. Yeah, he he, the ball was just an extension of him, and and I mean, he would go on to release these these video series called homework basketball with all these little basketball drills and i mean i i had them as a kid yeah uh and they were great um were were they helpful because i always sometimes people are so good at something they don't know how to explain it they were very good they're very good videos i i think i think it is that it's it's um it's playing an instrument yeah it's just um it's just playing an instrument it's Mm -hmm. just like well i mean i've done everything else with this what if i tried this and what if I tried this? Mm-hmm. And it was improvisational. Yeah. And his dad would describe him kind of as an improv- improvisational basketball artist. Right. Um, I mean, you got you got a couple of things to play with. You have fucking, like, gravity. You have the bounce of the ball. You have what the, you can do with it and... And and, uh, and the other people around you. And the other people around you. you. Like, all that stuff. It, yeah. So like, there's these couple of variables, and you're like, I've been fucking around with this ball since it's been in my crib. Yeah. What am I going to do next with it? Yeah. But sometimes what separates those people is the there's an to explain it to people who would have no concept of how you got there is a is another skill. Right. Because you're able to break down how you got there. Some people are so good at things naturally, they can't get you they can't teach you because it just came so naturally. Right, right. They can't break down the steps of how they got right. there. His, yeah. his came. He was not a born athlete. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was very gangly. He struggled to put on weight. By the time he got to the pros, he was six five, not not even two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. He, but he was just 
so determined and so versed with the ball that it made up for his lack of true athleticism. Mm -hmm. And he would later go on to be a very good speaker and and very articulate guy. He was so singularly obsessed with basketball and so full of you know anxiety over the pressure to perform Mm -hmm. as a as a young man that he was kind of awkward and didn't have much of a personality Mm -hmm. but later on he would he would get it um but like i said he was um he was a partier like he's like he made his dad buy him a car uh he got like this really cool like pontiac gtx or something and Mm -hmm. he crashed it a couple times drunk he'd go was he dribbling at the time (laughs) just just out of his mouth no officer no i was dribbling have you seen these new pontiacs they're weird (laughs) he would uh he would um he was alternatively described as having like a hollow leg and not being able to hold his booze it was weird he just didn't know when to stop right um like i said his mom was an alcoholic too and a depressive so he he was dealing with a lot yeah um I mean, I think she might have been depressed about the sound of the ball on the ceiling all night long. <laughs> Jesus or, fucking Or the Christ. fact that her husband was... Paying attention to the kid. <laughs> only only focused. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to enroll him in football. <laughs> Please to, don't! I'm going to enroll him in football to teach him he likes basketball. <laughs> Press! <laughs> Shut uh, up! He, uh, I can't hear the ball! His, his practice socks would get stolen so often that he had to start washing them himself. Um, Making them bigger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. make them more floppy. Yeah, people started wearing them their socks like that. They Damn, get, get sacks tr- of fan mail. I'm dressing like shit. Col- in college. Sacks of fan mail. Yeah. Um, he was he was a phenomenon. Um, and how much was this also at the same time? I'm sorry to interrupt you a no, million no, times. No, no, this is no, no, no. How much at the same time is this building up just college basketball in general? Mm. Yes, mm. he is responsible for it. Really? Yes. It, and because TV was coming around, yeah, uh, it's perfect, perfect story. And and there was no better ambassador to get making basketball, especially coming from the south and a mm. white guy. Mm. I mean, that's just insane. This is football country. Yes, and he was he was making it a thing down there. He was making right. basketball. The SEC was not a basketball conference, right? Yeah. Until after he left, yeah. Um, there's a story where he they went. To, um, they went down uh, to Daytona. I think it was Daytona Beach one time. Him and some of his college buddies, and they went on the boardwalk, and they, they were trying to go pick up some, you know, some honeys. <laughs> and uh, there was one of these carny folks with one of those trick basketball stands. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, like the hoops. Uh, uh, yeah. The hoops too small. The ball's too big. It's smooth. It's lopsided. Right. And uh, and he's got like some bears. You know, some stuffed bears. Like there's seven bears there or whatever. Yeah. And so he's like, well, I reckon I'll take a shot, you know. And uh, so he's like, give the man 50 cents, Bob. Give the man 50 cents. He misses the first shot, makes the second. And he's like, well, give me my bear. He's like, no, you got to make two in a row. And he's like, oh, yeah? So he's like, give him, another, give, give him a dollar, John, or Bob. And he nails two of them. Right. Bang. Bangs him out. Nothing but net. Yeah. And this is, I mean, have you ever seen these like trick these basketball stands? They're they're not hoops. They're they squish them, so it's like they look like they're fair hoops, but they're not. They're like thirty three percent smaller, and the mm-hmm. balls are a little bit bigger, and they're hard to grasp, and they're weighted wrong. There's no room for error. There's no room for error. He nails two. The guy gives him the bear, and he looks at him, checks the ball. <laughs> you should be losing. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck? He's like, well, uh, let me do it again. So he does it again, wins another bear. And that guy, 
The guy's like, you're not shooting again. He's like, well, what if I do it from back here? And he walks back 35 feet. There's a crowd of 85 people standing around. (laughs) And he bangs out two more. Nothing but net. And the guy's like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) He's like, I'm going to do it again. And he does it again, but this time he starts like he's, he's in a canoe. He, <laughs> he's in the he's, he's in the ocean. <laughs> he starts doing his shit with the ball. He's spinning on his finger through the legs, bounces it off his head, off his knee, and bangs out another two. And he wins all the bears. And the guy's like, "Oh, that's that's Pistol Pete." <laughs> Fuck it, you know? wow. Yeah, yeah. That Carney has a story for a lifetime. Now he's got seven bears. What's he doing with those? <laughs> he's, then, tossing, he's shooting them in the trash cans. He's giving them to the honeys. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. What, so, like, so whenever Basically he wasn't done. playing basketball, he was like pretty much like getting drunk, pissing at frat parties, picking fights with Marines, <laughs> uh, crashing his car drunk. Uh. Um, one night at a bar, he uh, like a, a couple of his buddies had already left. He was hanging out, and he got in this booth with this girl and started flirting, flirting up with her. And then he kind of like realized things were wrong. And so he, as he's leaving, he basically gets jumped by this chick's two biker buddies. Um, one backs him on, knocks him on the back of the head with a billy club. He's he's bleeding on his back in the parking lot. And the girl comes up to him, like kneels kneels next to him and starts laughing and puts a gun in his mouth. And she goes, Pistol Pete, huh? What? And he says that all I remember thinking in that moment was, please pull the trigger. What? Yeah. He was just, he was, this is like, he's starting to be tired, he's starting to get tired of being Pistol Pete. But is he starting to get tired of Pistol Pete, the person, or, because it seems like basketball, everything but basketball uh, is awful. But basketball is great. Yes. But everything, when he's not playing basketball, he does not know what to do. Yes. That's right. Hmm. But I think even, even then, just that, that, the minor relief that basketball gives is still, it, it's still never enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. he can he can never score enough. He would still like lament game the missed shots. He'd go over the games in his head of all the shots that he missed. And, and you're still in college? Yes. Jesus Christ! It's fucking like twenty twenty one. I mean, yeah. I guess that's also kind of the time where you just put that kind of pressure on yourself too, mm-hmm. though. True. You know, like yeah. you're kind of not really. You're, I mean, like, you know, in your 20s, you're like, ah, nothing's enough. Right. You know, it's not really until your 30s, you're like, I'm fine. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, like I said, his mom was, was all sorts of fucked up. She'd be in and out of the hospital getting shock treatments. She'd hide vodka and vinegar bottles and stuff. Smart. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... Chugging all that Heinz malt vinegar? Ah, uh, she loves that vinegar. <laughs> what the hell's wrong? <laughs> Can't even smell it. Um, I don't even whine anymore. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> um, like I said about his his scoring was all before his college scoring was all before the advent of the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his um, one of the people on the staff at LSU went back and watched rewatched all the games and charts. Oh, and added the points. Yeah, if there was a three point line, he would be averaging fifty seven points a game. Jesus oh my God. He would he'd made thirteen three pointers a game. Jesus. Yeah, he would. He'd knock out thirty-five point shots all the time. The guy was like a combination of like Steve Nash and Steph Curry. Yeah, because Curry does that thing where he walks over half court and he basically can take two steps and make a shot. So he's he's extended. You can't defend him because you're playing where the where you think you're supposed yeah. to play. And so I was that. I imagine that was part of people would back up because you know, there was no yeah, three point line. Go ahead and shoot it. Yeah. And he would. And then and he'd he would, make it. Yeah. For two points. It, 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 the, you can watch highlights of him on YouTube. People put these 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 reels together, and 
you know, it it's 50 years old by now, a lot of his college stuff. So, you know, we're used to seeing a lot of those moves and, and people doing it more athletically, but it, some of it is still captivating. Like, he really oh, yeah, would yeah. put... He'd do like he'd bump it off his elbow and his wrist, and he'd find the guy, and he'd put English on it, and he would do these no looks that are just like it would leave guys just like falling over. Yeah, it was it was really incredible. no. I mean, a lot of that old sports stuff was like I mean, I I like I I think I probably told you before I didn't understand uh, until I saw the thirty for thirty on OJ about his football career mm-hmm. and what made him so special, and then I saw the clips and I was like. Oh, he's like sideways, full speed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like it's fucking, you know, Pac-Man. Yeah. Like I was just like, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing, you know, like a lot of that shit is, I mean, it's like watching prior stand-up. Yeah. How did he do it so good so far back then? Yeah. And the most imitated stand-up of all time is still as fresh today as it was then. And it's still unique, even though a ton of people ripped him off. Yeah. Some guys just get, like, Kubrick is another one of those guys, and Pryor, of course. Like, yeah. here's somebody who was so ahead of their time that they're still imitated and they're still relevant and they're still tough to beat. And still untouchable. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're still ahead of their time that they've been copied, and it's still modern. Yes. Yeah. They've yes. been copied for the last 30 years. And, and the what... copies are stale. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the original is not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, so Pete, um, Pete was... Uh, He's draft... bottoming him out, kind of. He's getting, yeah. He's kind of. He's like, fuck. Is this is this really everything that I want? And now, what kind of year is this in college? This is his getting his senior year. Okay. Um, they went to the NIT. They finished fourth. He he never, never had like a good big man. He he also like when you're when your offense revolves and depends on you scoring forty five points a game. It's not. A good strategy. Mm-hmm. It's just you don't win basketball games like that, right? It just doesn't work um, because if you have an off night, then you, everybody else has to make up an additional twenty points, and they're not used to doing that. Yeah, it's just he was an individual in a team sport. Yeah. Um. So he was drafted. He was super hyped. He was the most like one of the most hyped prospects in history at that point. He was drafted third overall by the Atlanta Hawks, given the largest contract in sports history, about one point nine million dollars. It was backloaded, meaning that he wouldn't get most of his money until after he turned forty because he was kind of still very like childish. Ah. Uh-huh. And this would kind of ensure <laughs> his he was forty? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh but and he went in. And he banged out all these endorsements. Ked's shoes. Uh, the the biggest one. He had this, like, Beatles mop top, too. So he had these. He was very skinny. He had the floppy socks. And he had this kind of Beatles mop top of hair. And so he got a $100,000 uh, endorsement deal by uh, with Vitalis Hairspray. And, like, he had a national t- commercial campaign for Vitalis Hairspray for the best hair in the league. And, like, you know, slow-mo shots of his hair moving. He goes left. His hair goes right. All that kind of bullshit. $100,000 back in, like, 1970. I think, like, 1970. Mm-hmm. 1969. Um, and now this would be uh, the first time he hasn't played for his dad since he was, like, Nine. Oh shit! And wow. he's making more money than all-star veterans. Damn. On the team that he's on. he's making more money than anybody and he's he, playing. He's with. making more money than anybody else. Damn. And he's just out of college. And everybody he's playing with was the best player on every team they played on yes. until they got to yes. the pros. Now, what kind of year is that? 
What year is it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's 1970. Okay. All right. So it's the 70s? Yeah. Let's see what year that he... Um... Yeah, 1970, 1970-71. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, there's still some pretty major greats out there in basketball, too, then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He played with um, Walt Bellamy, and he, event later in his career, he played against, like, uh, Dr. J. And, and he is the NBA logo. That's, that's Pistol Pete? No, 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 no that's, that's Jerry West. Oh, Jerry West was. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. He, he did play against Jerry West. Um, and I'll, 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 there's some quotes from some of these guys that talk about him, and it's... Right. What they say about him is pretty great. And this is slightly, I believe this is slightly before the ABA. Merger, right. So there was the ABA at the time. In fact, they courted him to to sign with him mm-hmm. with them. Uh, he turned down an offer from the Cougars of the ABA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Dr. J was still in the ABA at the time. Right, right. right? And then he would later go before play. Before they merged, yeah. Yes. Um, so, so, so he wasn't the only one with style but the aba had all the guys who had style he was the only one with style in the nba kind of right right and still nobody was doing what he was doing right dr j was dunking dr j was aerial and and pistol was with the ball yeah but dr j is another one uh, an incredible incredible basketball player Mm -hmm. no one had ever seen anything like him but he started he was playing like you know like the street ball and then the aba Mm -hmm. um but two different styles of play. They eventually would uh, come close to playing for the same team. Um, so he would, like, in this first season, you're now now he's this kind of prima donna, college phenom in the big leagues now, in the pros, and he's known as a hot dog. And he would go, like, in the first time he went to Philly to play the Sixers, one fan had a sign that said, hey, Pistol, why do, um, why do hot dogs cost a million dollars in Atlanta but 35 cents in Philly? <laughs> Um, and he took it all very personally. You know, he, oh, one yeah. thing that his dad did not teach him about basketball was how to lose uh, and how to take criticism. Because right. he, as hard as his dad was, his dad was always very proud and very supportive of Pete. Like right. he ran the offense through him. Yeah, take fifty shots a game. Go ahead. That's how. How it many worked. people have the Philly public broke? Huh. <laughs> they really not are. Bill Burr, baby. They, yeah, but I mean, Jesus Christ, it's like a city famous for being. Well, so at shitty. least they didn't hit him with a battery. You know, <laughs> like, I don't think they didn't have him. <laughs> they didn't have batteries. Then. Um, you know, he he took this all very very personally. He drank a lot. You could see it in interviews. He was biting his nails. His eyes were darting around and stuff. And he was kind of realizing, like, oh, I don't really have a personality. You know, I've just been doing basketball all day, every day for my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, he was arrested for drunken disorderly conduct before the season even started. Um, he, he was already getting known to be like a, a drinker, kind of um, young, like a immature kid. Yeah. Um, and he was compared to like Joe Namath because mm-hmm. Joe Namath was like an infamous drinker, kind of bachelor guy. Um, he he was he like he he looked at himself that way. He was named as Atlanta's most eligible bachelor. He had a phone in his car. He had a bachelor Ooh. pad with shag carpets. Everything was monogrammed from his towels to his soap in his house. People would do interviews with them. People in Atlanta would start wearing their hair like him. Kids in high schools would start playing Maravich style basketball. He was wow. uh, he was a, a legit phenom. He had to sneak out of a back exit of the gym. He couldn't leave with his teammates because he'd be getting mobbed by by chicks all the time. Wow. That probably uh, didn't help him get along with his teammates. Exactly. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them. 
um, some of the veterans were resentful. Like, you know, we shouldn't have to change our style of play for him. He should have to change it for us. Why is he, you know, he's getting more money than we are. And he tried to, like, he really wanted to be liked by everybody. So he was kind of in this weird situation where they'd go out to dinner and stuff. And he, you know, tried to atone for the sin of his riches by paying for everybody's meal. And they would take that as showing off. Mm. But if he didn't pay, he was a cheapskate. Yeah, yeah, it's really tough. It's really um, tough. He, uh... <laughs> the girls would attack him when he showed up for warm-ups. They, I mean, to literally get locks of his hair. Uh, they had to call the cops to get, like, to basically make a perimeter for practices and stuff because uh, because he was he was he was that much of a, a phenomenon. He once <laughs> there's a few times where like uh, he'd be uh, in a hotel room with a girl and like a phone would ring. And his buddy would answer for him. It's like, yeah, it's this lady's husband. She says, husband, I'm separated. And then a car would show, like a car with two dudes would show up and they'd have to jump out of a second story window. Um, Jesus. (laughs) If only I had a basketball. (laughs) I could fight these guys. uh, I could pop the tires on that. (laughs) (laughs) I could make those guys unconscious. (laughs) So it would, some of his like other, you know, as was the style of the time, you know, he had, he had a mustache and this kind of floppy hair. Some of his other white teammates would basically just pretend to be him. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. His girls wouldn't know. They don't know what Pistol Pete I play Pete for looked. the Hawks. Like, are, uh, hey, are you Pistol Pete? Reminds, yeah. He <laughs> the fucking the Max Weinberg thing where he's, he's saying, don't worry, girls, Bruce Springsteen will be over soon. And he just walks in backwards with a, with an handkerchief in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly, exactly what happened. Yeah, I play for the Dallas Hawks. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that's totally, I mean, I get it. He would, yeah. he would lament to some of his teammates, like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what. What, what to do here? I mean, I meet all these girls, and I, when I tell my Pistol Peach Maravich, they go, "No, you, you're not Pistol Pete. I've already been with Pistol Pete. <laughs> he was shorter and fatter. <laughs> yeah, and he was black. <laughs> um, so he had, you know, a. It's a lot. An of emotionally, heat. It's a lot of heat. yeah, mm-hmm. he just had a very intense rookie season. A lot of pressure was on him. He did great. Uh, he averaged like 23 points. Uh, in his rookie NBA season, which is incredible. Um, Very few players have done that. Um, He never really learned to make any friends. Uh, Like I said, he was making a lot of money, uh, and and still his teammates were resenting him. They eventually started, like, ghosting him on the court. Like, fast breaks, they wouldn't give him the ball. And he would, like, then he would stop taking shots. And there was just kind of this contentious relationship uh, with his team, uh, he eventually like snapped one night. He got super lit up at the Playboy Towers in Chicago, um, and like he he started calling some of his teammates black people. Oh no! Uh, and, he, and this is a guy who is not racist, right? Like, right. He, but he, he grew was, up. Was he this... doing this like on TV or on... no? No, he's just one night like at four in the morning. He, like, got out of a cab, threw his wallet at the cab guy, and like, he was just, like, bitching about the situation in the hotel. And, like, out of the elevator comes Walt Bellamy, who's, like, this 6'11 giant center on on their team who's, like, the coolest dude. And he just kind of, like, he jumped on his back, started, like, speaking in tongues, and then he's just like, I hate all you black people. I hate all you. And he was, he was like, Pete, Pete, Pete. 
somebody get this motherfucker back to his room. Was like, he just drinking or was... Yeah, was he was there... just drinking. Really? Wow. Yeah, just drinking. Uh, as far as we know, there was never any mention mm-hmm. of like cocaine or anything like that. Um, Chop. As they call it. Yes. As uh, only we call it. <laughs> um, and, you know, at the, toward the end of his rookie season, like he, he did this interview after a game where he talked about like, you know, after it's all said and done, and, you know, once I get a championship, then I can retire and be happy. And this, this is a guy t- who's like 21, 22, talking about retiring already. Yeah. Um, and he he said later in that interview, I don't want to play 10 years in the NBA and then die of a heart attack at 40, uh, which was would go on to be very prophetic. Oh, yikes, dude. Uh, that's, that's yikes. Yeah. He averaged 23.2 points per game in his rookie season. Uh, which was good for ninth in the league and was named to the NBA All-Rookie Team. Um, his career would then be plagued by, like, illnesses and stress. Like, he got diagnosed with mono and it was out for, like, three games. Mm-hmm. He would get, like, uh, he lost 20 pounds off already, only being, like, 195 pounds and 6'5". Mm-hmm. He would, um, one night, one game, after a game, he had, like, a splitting headache, thought it was, a, like, a migraine and... Then basically his eye stopped moving, and then his face went numb, got a Bell's palsy, and he was out mm-hmm. for weeks. He had to like tape his eyes shut so that he could sleep because mm-hmm. he couldn't keep his eyelids. He couldn't control them. Um, still, he even tried to play with like a modified face mask. Well, you get blindfolded, and you can still do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn. Just don't put gloves on. <laughs> yeah. He was a bit of a head case, and he was always plagued by something. Yeah. Um, uh, and and it kind of then led him into more of his eccentricities. Really, mm. he got into karate. Another, sure, another Elvis like very Elvis thing. Yeah. And you know, he would always get beat up in the lane because he was a hot dog, and he would always drive, and he'd make people look like shit. And so he got into karate, and he said, like, next season I'm gonna have something for their ass. He would say, and he he, he I guess he did. He got into transcendental meditation. He got super into vitamins. Interesting. So he's just searching for yes something something. He was yeah. an obsessive. Um, he got into fasting, got into yoga, got into Hinduism. Those are all things you can't really like dribble a thousand times to figure out. Though. Right. I mean, Buddhism and Hinduism and yoga, you can kind of get into the 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 repetition and the upset, like the the, the ritual. Rhythm, ri- yeah. The oh ritual yeah, yeah, for sure, all. for sure. Um, it, during his vegetarian phase, he got into a bean phase. Uh, he got into, he started working out with football teams and put on like 20 pounds. And he says he also attributed the weight gain to his increase of whole grain. Uh, he still drank beer a lot, but he did get rid of white bread, white sugar and salt. He got addicted to pong. Would play pong for four to five hours. The straight. game, yes, really. Yeah, that might have been the eye problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. The, the angles, yeah, and yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, Put some spin on it. Yeah, he uh, he just, uh, but he always had this kind of like paranoid, skeptical, cynical attitude. Um, you know, when he got his first All Star game, he said, "You know, great. Now I've just got a bigger target on my back. Now, you know, now they're really going to just want to be." Yeah, I really me. empathize with this thing in a lot of ways, and 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 one in which is like you said, he kind of um, he kind of said himself as like. Uh, what is my personality? Yeah, yeah. Because there, there isn't any. It's it's what's new with basketball and how far am I pushing the limits there and stuff like that. 
And then, you know, it, it, it kind of becomes like, you know, the Dirk Diggler thing. Like, I've got the big dick, and now what do I do? Yeah. I buy stuff. Right. I buy stuff, and, and I show it to people. Look yes. what I got. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. And, and then it's like, it's also, I really understand the idea. And, like, we have a, a much different view of it now because of the internet and stuff. And we have, like, a, we have a much different idea of how to deal with fame because we've grown up with celebrities... We've seen that trajectory. We've seen the trajectory of what happens. But, I mean, like, you have to empathize with these people that are are growing up and wanting to do good and not understanding that the public doesn't always get it. Right. You would think, there's one of me, there's 6,000 of them. If they decide they don't like something, of course they're right. Right. Of course they're right. Yeah. So you could become obsessed with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, give that way too much power over you. Yeah, he and, and he did. Yeah, and 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 people need to remember that that it's right. a big thing. There's a lot of people that want to do good, and they want to do good by everybody. Yeah. But when it comes to fame, a lot of times you just can't. You're fucked. Yes. And you can't. And we all kind of know that because now. the negative voices are always louder. Yeah. And they're the ones you pay attention to. Like that's yes. the thing on like you know for. For people who are comedians or, or celebrities, don't read the Twitter. Don't read the, don't read the comments. comments. Mm-hmm. Don't read them. Don't read the comments. They're never good. Yeah, exactly. Um, because people just like stuff and they move on. But people yeah. that are shitty don't move on. Don't, and they make a comment. Yes. Even if it's porn. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Ah, in Patreon. very, <laughs> yeah. very nice. But I mean, it's just I, I really, really do feel like this this kid that is kind of like shut in alone, uh, having nothing but one thing. And, and doing it extensively, yeah, and uh, and just being like, okay, well, I, yeah. who who am I? Right, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm getting all the things that I wanted. Yeah, I'm going to be the first player to make a million dollars playing basketball. I was, I'm, I'm a superstar. I'm dominant. I'm getting 20 points a game. Okay, and he's also in this time where there was no, uh, you know, um, there's no framework to judge this by. This is the very beginning of the NBA becoming the powerhouse of entertainment that it is. Yes. And TV being the def- the entertainment platform yes. the the world yeah. know, revolves around. So he didn't have anything to kind of go off of here. Right. Yeah. And and now now it's a it's a it's a trite you know, trajectory. Oh, yeah, yeah, the star yeah. who becomes disillusioned with the fame and all that. Right, stuff, you've got a million people that can tell you how to handle it. Well, and you can hire somebody back then. Right? Yeah, now yeah, you can yeah. hire someone who will manage you through all of those steps, and yeah. they're probably Nike. Right, right. But if you're if you're if you're an athlete back then, getting interviewed, you would probably answer earnestly instead of what athletes do now, where they're like, "We tried and it was good." And we tried, and it was bad. Like they yeah. just say, like the most rudimentary things. But back then, you would just be like, somebody came up to me with some questions, so I answered them and, right and as, then, on, as right. honestly as I could. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It, it happened, and you know, he, <laughs> to his detriment, that's what he did. He didn't. They didn't have press co- media coaching back then, right? So, like, you know, he, he would talk about retiring as a, as a rookie or a second year guy. He, he talked about retiring and leaving the league and not wanting to play for 10 years and die of a heart attack at 40 and he, he would he, there's a famous one when he was i think he was like 25 or 26 where he talked in a halftime interview we talked about ufos and believing in aliens and ufos he painted on the roof of his condo take me oh god oh my god yeah he uh so pull the trigger take take me. me yeah he also like kind of played you know he started to become this kind of not a villain figure but 
anti-hero. He's a heel of sorts. A heel, yeah. And so a Sith. He, <laughs> Sith. <laughs> so he would play. He play. He started playing it up. Like you know, he talked. So what do you want to do after basketball? I was like, I don't know. I think maybe just move to Hollywood and play. You know, villain in movies. Since I'm already one here, he wore a necklace, a pendant that said "Me first. He said he started playing into the. Okay, well I'm a showboat. I'm a showboat. Like, okay, here I'll, I'll be what you want me to be. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. He turned heel. Yeah, I like it. Um, best so basketball. He doesn't know what to do because basketball isn't doing it anymore. Right, and basketball ended up being so much more than just playing the game. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's so much more to just playing basketball. Mm-hmm. There's the press. There's the fans. There's the business of it. There's the, the endorsement. The teammates who oh, are, shit. are maybe they are better than you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he there he his first year he was and the second year he wasn't the leading scorer on the team. There, wow. you know, he made some. He may he did make some other players better. Yeah. Um. I ju- I just feel like that there's there's so much of that in, in sport, and I'm always like, uh, don't interview these guys. How about some mystery? <laughs> how about how about leave them alone because they they, they, they didn't go into public speaking, right? Well, they now, went into sport. Now that's part of it is you go through mandatory media coaching and you. I know, but it's such bullshit. Like leave them the fuck alone. You know, sure. talk to the coaches. Sure, even them, they're not even in it for fucking public speaking. Right? They're there to fucking coach a sport. Like, but like I'm always like. Well, they do a really? ha- they do a halftime interview with a coach running off the field, and the coach is like, "Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do to fix the problem yeah, because they're yeah, watching. watching." There's whole 24 hour networks devoted to this shit where people are like, "Man, it sucked today." Yeah, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's so ridiculous. But people want it. People, they do. Yeah. They do. And 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 then they get shit they don't like, and then they judge them for and they then blame they ju- them. And then they like, how dare you be a an imperfect human being, right? And, and the New York Post is like you. ripping you a new one, and like it's, you're like, fuck it. Like people saying like I'm not a role model. That, yes, yes, you're not. I love that. I love that too. I, I remember like, when Dennis Rodman was playing and he's dressing up like a fucking freaky ass woman and shit and mm. signing books. I loved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. Yes, give me fucking weirdos. Yeah, I mean it, it does make you appreciate people like LeBron James, who like has a sterling record and is <laughs> fucking so smart and so. Yeah articulate and a good business person and also maybe the greatest basketball players ever played right. that it makes you appreciate that because there are so you do have a target on your back mm-hmm. and you do have so many opportunities for missteps so it makes you appreciate when they don't make one right except that everybody thinks when you don't make a misstep that you have people change in your basement right some the, people the, do the more pure you are Right. The more guilty you must be. Like, no matter what, you're getting judged as somebody, shit somebody out in there this is. country. But also, I like Ron Artest. Yeah. I right. like that he changed his name to Meadow World Peace. Yeah. I yeah. like that he jumped in the fan, the stands and beat the shit yeah. out of a fan. Yeah. I love it. And you know what? Get, mic him up. Yeah. Yeah. Mic him up. Mm-hmm. Because that's maybe more entertaining than his play right now. Or ever was. Right. Yeah. I right. Mean, so. and, and how entertaining, how, how celebrated is it in a way when the Boston Bruins fought the fans in the, the, in, in the garden in New York, and yet uh, when Ron Artest does it, it, all of a sudden it's a bad thing. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, I mean, ridiculous. It, cha- it changed the NBA. Absolutely. That's for yeah, they all had to wear suits afterwards. Yeah, but the NBA is, by, I mean, it was then and it is now... Still the best run sports yeah. organization. Yes. I mean, and they still 
they they found a way to make it better even after even after that fiasco. Yeah, it helps have Stephen Curry and uh, yes, people who are shooting from half court. It's oh, just God. completely changing the game. Anyway, I'm sorry, Eric. Yeah, don't sorry. be sorry. We're having a good time. Yeah, we're, shoot, we're shooting the shit. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, we're chopping it up. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, so. <laughs> So it's like the summer of 74, and he's kind of tired of, of being on the Hawks. Um, and uh, <laughs> there is a – they get this new uh, this new GM. What's his name? Pat Williams. And uh, they're like, we need to put some more butts in seats because you're kind of uh, – you're, you're not doing it the way you used to, Pete. Right? <laughs> we need to put some more butts in seats. And uh, he, they get this guy Pat Williams, and uh, he was he was well known in the promotion game for uh, halftime acts like Victor the Wrestling Bear. Oh, great! And mm-hmm. he, he could have been in World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> he's a veteran. <laughs> uh, little Arlene, little Arlene was a a uh, hundred and nine pound girl who would eat seventy seven hot dogs, twenty one pizzas, and nineteen cokes during the halftime of the Sixers <laughs> game. That's so, a halftime show. My God, uh, Pat Williams even took suggestions from the players on how to like increase, uh, you know, yeah. attendance. Hype. The, the only player to answer was Pete, hmm. who said, "Show deep throat at halftime." <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? That's really good. That's really. Good. He's over there meditating. <laughs> he comes out of a trance. And play the movie about the girl with the clitoris in her throat. Uh, so he basically gets. Um, uh, he's he's tired of being on the Hawks. The Hawks are tired of him. Some of the players are like, get rid of him, right? Uh, and so the uh, there's an expansion team, and they're going to be in New Orleans, and they've expressed interest in Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they're looking for someone to generate excitement among their new fans. And again, this is in Louisiana, mm-hmm. sure, where he's already built a name for himself. Of course. Uh, so they name themselves above all. They name themselves the Jazz. Ah, that's right. Yeah, it was actually um, the New Orleans the Jazz. perfect name until. Uh, until they moved, they moved to Utah, yes. <laughs> right. but it was the perfect they moved name. To the whitest city. It was the perfect the name for them. Yes. It was the perfect name for the city and the perfect name for the style of basketball that Pete played, which right. was this very, you know, uh, orchestrated, improvisational, yeah. exciting black style of basketball. Yeah, and so they take it over they by called, white man. They called the, yes, yeah, <laughs> they called it the Louisiana Purchase because the Hawks. <laughs> of course they did. The Hawks got. Uh, no, the Jazz traded two players and four draft picks to Atlanta for one player. Wow. Uh, and the Hawks did a lot better after that. The Jazz, <laughs> Jazz got, uh, uh, the Jazz got um, Pete. Um, uh, then um, his mom shot herself while she was on the phone with Pete's brother. Ronnie? Wait, that wasn't part, yeah. of, the, that wasn't part of the trade. No, it was okay. not part of the trade. That was a bonus. <laughs> That was yeah, arbitration. <laughs> to be named. Dude. No, it was just part of a whirlwind year that that Jesus he had. Uh, I'm so I'm, I'm the most I'm so you're evil. Bad, I'm sorry. I, I am just, really I'm bad. Sorry. I, um, I'm depressed. I was in now. <laughs> I called the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, this is. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's, oh, that's Jesus awful. Christ, that dude. Yeah, he. But then he he went on. He he really. 
he thrived in in uh, New Orleans for a while. Um, After that, yeah, he had a ha- he had a habit of doing that where he'd have these like horrible occurrences, and then he'd pout, and then he would just go on these tears. Mm. And he went on a scoring tear after this. Games of, like, 50 points, 47 points. Um, For the Jazz. Yeah. Was it something like, finally, I have time to... I I, I can cut out everything and focus on basketball. Well, at that point, probably any change was just also, like, uh, maybe I can start again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, it's... You know, sometimes crisis gives you clarity. Yeah. Or, or at least, like you said, an escape. Yeah. It gives me a reason to, to double down, redouble my efforts, right? Um, and it, it was just exciting. It was an exciting time for basketball. And again, in football country, um, they would uh, they play in the Superdome. And he'd wow. pack it out. He, Jesus. You know, he, and he just, he had like a newfound vigor. If there were five fast breaks, he'd throw five different passes. Backspin, bounce passes, passes, passes with English on them. But everyone's favorite was he would do this one on a fast break where he would jump up in the air and do a between the legs lob down court to catch the guy on the fast break. Whoa. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And it would just, people would just go nuts. Like people on both both teams would go nuts and, and like opposing fans would go nuts. Yeah. Um, and this was all like making, getting on TV and stuff. Um, he would set attendance records for the Superdome, like that would stand for years and years, like multiple times over. Um, there was a game uh, against the Lakers with their star center, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this was during like an epic rainstorm in new orleans like the whole city was flooded hmm. and um like pete couldn't get to the like nobody could get to the game the streets were flooded there was traffic jams in the city around the city like somebody had to come to pete's house with a boat and he was dribbling all the way there yeah he's like i've driven on water before <laughs> <laughs> piece of cake uh so he like got in like a seaworthy vehicle and made it to the game and uh 26,511 people showed up and set an attendance record during that shit, <laughs> during during one of the most like epic rainstorms in in New Orleans history, that's probably the safest oh place God. to be in the city. Ask the Katrina people. I mean, I mean, he went on to say, like, man, we, that we makes probably... you think why they thought later that it would be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was we, here when we, Pistol Pete was yeah. here. <laughs> if it ever starts raining, go to the Superdome. <laughs> you might even see some basketball. <laughs> But true to form, he said, man, maybe we could have got 30000 if we didn't have the greatest rainstorm since Noah's Ark. Like, never satisfied. Oh, dude, yeah. That's some, like, that's like some Tiger Mom shit yeah. in there. It's yeah. just like, nothing's good enough. Uh, he would later you go got a 93 s- on your test. What happened to the other seven points? Yeah, where'd, the, where'd those go? <laughs> yeah. He, um, I think he set another Superdome record, like, a, a year later against playing against Dr. J, too. Um he started um then so that 26,511 people that showed up in that rainstorm was an NBA record. Jesus. Yeah. Amazing. Um he started to gain some traction and started making a case for himself as the best player in basketball and one of the greatest to ever play the game. Um one game against Buffalo, he got the ball on a fast break and he would do his infamous lob lob through the legs a, a jump through the jump up through the legs pass. Uh, on a fast break to um, Aaron, Aaron James, um, and then um, James would make the easy layup. But by the time he turned around, Pete was on the floor writhing in pain. People heard an audible snap in the crowd, 
and uh, his his knee would never be the same again. Oh fuck! Yeah, he came down really all fucked up on it, and like he he came back and wore like the, like a two pound metal brace on his knee. Shit! And it, and it was it was never the same. But he really got back into like weird like health food shit again, mm-hmm. eating like fertilized eggs and goat's milk. Right. And he went on a t- you know, back to weird conspiracy stuff. Like, yeah. You know, if it wasn't for the nutritional industrial complex and cornflakes and soda pop, you know, the human lifespan would be 150. I plan to live to 100 years old. Um, he started started a movie in the off season. Um, he then got traded to. Uh, they moved to Utah. The Jazz moved to Utah, which was not great for him. He did not want to be there. Um, and he just started um, – I mean, he, he still had some great games. He would go on to score uh, 68 points. He said a, he, it was the most points ever scored by a guard in an NBA basketball game until Kobe Bryant did 81. So at that point, he was number three most points scored in a game. With there was That's a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a long – I mean, Will Chamberlain had the record with 100 Elgin Baylor had, I think, 72 or 76. Like Elgin Baylor actually was his coach for a couple of years, and they really had a, they really got along together because he understood the mentality uh, that, that Pete had. Um, and he kind of let him have this. He said, go, go ahead, Pete, shoot, shoot, Pete. Um, but Pete scored 68 points in a game, and that record stood until, uh, as far as most points scored by a guard in a game until Kobe did 81. But he's still fourth all time in for most points scored in a game. Yeah, that's incredible. Um all with no three point shot. Right. Um so he starts to kind of flounder in the league a little bit. He's he's just tired. And he at this point I think he's thirty. And Utah doesn't want him there. He doesn't want to be in Utah. So the Jazz wave him. And wow. uh then there's this bidding war because he's still a draw. Yeah. He's not the guy he used to be, but he is still pistol Pete. And so there's there is interest by uh, the Philadelphia 76ers who have Dr. J, who is a god, a basketball god, whose play would complement very well to Pistols. Because oh, you just toss him the ball. There. Just throw it up, and yeah. he get it, and and they they could both shoot, they could both pass. Mm-hmm. Dr. J was supremely athletic mm-hmm. and charismatic, and then also the the Celtics, and Red Auerbach was a fan of his. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Fame coach Red Auerbach said of Pete that some players defy gravity, Pete defies the laws of physics. Wow. And they would do videos and stuff together too. He, he was just, he was a really big fan of Pete's. Um, the GM for Philly was this Pat Williams guy, the guy who traded him from Atlanta. Right. Uh, and he was really sure that he was going to get Pete. Because they still had a pretty decent relationship with each other. Huh. Uh, in fact, the New York Times like posted a a, you know, a headline saying "Pistol to sign with with Philly," uh, but the next day it was released that he had signed with the Celtics. And the owner of the 76ers like asked Pat Williams like, "How did you fuck this up?" And he blamed it on a <laughs> an overzealous physician uh, because when Pete went to do his physical the routine physical at temple university the doctor insisted on a digital rectal exam and pete was not into that right i want an analog rectal exam (laughs) (laughs) i like to really feel it i want to feel like the fingers in the room (laughs) so he went on he went to play for the celtics with uh a rookie 
by the name of Larry Bird. Uh-huh. Ah, very nice, Aaron. Oh, they they must have touched mustaches. Oh, yeah. And who, uh, you know, was also a great white hope. Very, mm-hmm. very great white hope. And they also instituted the three-point line this season. Ah. Um, but Pete was not a superstar anymore at this point. You know, he was going to be a role player. Larry Bird came hot out of college and, you know, also magic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Larry Bird was, you know, he, he was going to be the star of that team. There's a, a few other Hall of Famers that were on that team at the same time, but um, Pete was not playing as much. But he did shoot career three-point percentage in the NBA, 66%, 10 for 15. Wow. Um, but he would he just got he got treated like shit um, by some of the other coaches. Um, some of the other players, and he just basically said, um, "I don't, I don't need this," and he retired. Mm. And uh, the next year, the Celtics won the title. Damn, shit! Yeah, what he, was this like? Eighty two, eighty three? No, I think this was seventy nine. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah okay. So, um, Pete would go on to. Um, he you know, struggle with kind of finding his purpose in life. He had a lot of money. He had his Porsche. He had he had a couple of kids. Um, and one night in bed, he was just you know racking his brain, and he said he he heard the voice of God. He jumped up out of bed, asked Jackie, his wife, if she heard it. Oh, she said boy. no, but he dedicated his life to Christ. After that, became like a heavy duty evangelical christian mm. uh not in the the what we consider evangelical now but in like the i go out and i give my testimony and i preach i preach my i preach my story to people and, mm. and i go around helping um and he was really heavy duty about that and he never um he cut down on his drinking Mm-hmm. He he really did look like shit though. For <laughs> he did he, like you go watch some of his homework basketball videos, and you can actually see, like his testimony. You can see it on YouTube. He really became he was a really persuasive speaker. It's a very very good speech. He was very eloquent and really passionate. About as far it. as getting people into Christianity, yeah, and it, it it is a moving speech. He talked about being a basketball android, and he talked about. His relationship with the game and, and the searches that he that he always was in, engaged in, and yeah. it's a very powerful, powerful right. uh, speech that he gives. Um, he got his dad back into Christianity, and they would go and they would do basketball camps all over the country and world. Uh, they went to Israel. And uh, in Israel, oh, they tried pushing it there. <laughs> oh, noted basketball superpower. <laughs> well, you bring it back to the founders, <laughs> right. you know. You gotta... go back to the Holy. Are you guys yeah. sure? <laughs> um, but and then, but in Israel, his dad started peeing blood. Oh, oh no! And I mean, uh, normally it's a holy thing. But... Yeah, <laughs> it's a stigmata. It's a piss Pistigmata Pete. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe he did. Um, his his father had um, his father had uh, prostate cancer, oh, and no, um, he, he kind of like convinced him to not do traditional medicine. Aye. And uh, he ended up taking care of his dad. Pete convinced him not to do traditional medicine. He was yeah, a good speaker, kind of. Yeah, uh, he eventually by the time, but he also didn't want to. He was an old school dude, and this, yeah, you know, his yeah, cancer yeah, treatment yeah, wasn't yeah. exactly what it is now. 
Um, it's back in the days of let me die. Kind of. Yeah. But he did He did deny treatment for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he had kind of accepted his death. But he, he basically lived with Pete, and Pete took care of him. He changed him. He bathed him. He carried him. Uh, he carried him up the stairs, and uh, as his dad was dying, he whispered in his dad's ear, "I'll see you soon." And his dad died. Um, a few months later, Pete was at a church in Pasadena playing a pickup basketball game, mm. and um, the guy was he was playing with said, "So Pete, how you doing? How you feeling?" He's like, "Yeah, I feel great." And then two seconds later, his eyes rolled in the back of his head. He collapsed on the court and died at the age of 40 after 10 years in the NBA. (laughs) Wow. And they did an autopsy. And um, Pete was born without one of the arteries in his heart. Really? Wait, what? He was born without a main cardiac artery. I think a left ventricle artery. Uh Uh-huh. So he was playing with half a heart his whole life. Literally. Literally. That's And it was probably his dad's obsessive agility drills and the just how much he That made him stay alive that long. That made him stay alive even that long. They say most people don't live past the the age of twelve. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) So he was like at times he'd be like falling out of consciousness and he'd start dribbling and wake up and be like, I feel great again. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. That is insane. Um, yeah, he played with more heart than than most and he only had half a one. Wow. Uh, he In 1976, oh, 77, God. he led the NBA in scoring with 31.1 points a game. He scored 68 points against the Knicks, the highest total ever for a player who was actually disqualified from that game, too. He didn't play the whole game. <laughs> really? Uh, hey, he's scoring too much. you got to get him out of here. Yeah. At the age of 11, he made 500 consecutive free throws. First player to score 1,000 points in a single college season. Uh, he was 1987. He was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame at the age of 39, the youngest player ever inducted. He uh, he was in the 50 greatest players of all time NBA, uh, and his sons had to go. He was the only dead player. Wow. His sons went, and when they were in the when they were That's in the, the the entryway, Magic Johnson came up to them and said, "I stole Showtime from your dad. Your dad was the real Showtime." Wow. Um, Magic's a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He is. By all accounts, the greatest dude. Wow. His career averages in the NBA of 24 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds per game. There are only 6 players to ever have done that. They are Magic, John, they are Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, Larry Bird, and Pistol Pete. Damn. Wow. Um, the word pistol was on the back of his jersey for some of his games. <laughs> they really? probably had never done that yeah. before. No, they had not. Uh, I mean, they did it with Yao Ming a couple times, but that's just because the convention of Chinese naming. He's Chinese. Chinese. (laughs) Um, Elgin Baylor said, Jerry West was the the best I ever played with, and Pete is the best I ever seen. Um, Paul Westfall said, Pete was an artist. His, His canvas was the basketball floor, and his brush was the basketball. Chick Hearn said he was like a great singer with a style all his own, a pacing that was different a flair for the unusual um lou hudson of the los angeles lakers said this man has been quicker and faster than jerry west or oscar robertson he gets the ball up the floor better 
He shoots better as well. Raw talent-wise, he's the greatest who ever played. The difference comes down to style. He will be a loser, always, no matter what he does. That's his legacy. It never looked easy being Pistol Pete Maravich. Damn. Ali's <laughs> executive once said that Bill, that Bill Walton thinks of used to think of himself as a trailblazer. Kareem thinks of himself as a Laker. Dr. J thinks of himself as a 76er. But Pete Maravich knows he's bigger than the Jazz. Pete thinks he's Smokey Robinson and the rest of the Jazz are the miracles. The problem is he's right. Wow. It's a team game. On February, uh, after lighting up the Lakers for 46 points, Jack Nicholson came up to him after the game and said, no one will ever carry your jock. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, wow. Wow. <laughs> 1988, Louisiana Governor Buddy Rumor signed an act to rename the building uh, at LSU, the, the arena at LSU in Maravich's honor. It's the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. Under Louisiana law, buildings cannot be named after a person except for this building. Wow. That is incredible. That is the sad tale of the greatest loser. So I just, I mean, I, I, I had one, one lingering question. was, uh, what brought you to, to uh, Pete's story? I think I, um... Then my dad told me about him, and there was they, they they made a movie about him. I think he was like a part producer on before he died. He kind of got the wheels in motion about this story, mm-hmm. and it is a story about him and his dad, and uh, and that's and that's how I heard about him. And then I read a book about him in high school called "I Remember Pistol Pete Maravich," mm-hmm. and well, you were a basketball guy too. I wasn't a basketball guy until I got into college. I didn't play basketball in high school. Oh, okay. But I, I got, like, I think, you know, I think when LeBron was getting hyped in high school, I just got, I got really into the NBA again. I was like, oh, shit, the NBA's dope. And this is also when the Lakers were winning a lot of titles, you know? Yeah. And I'm from L.A., so, I, like, it was just in the zeitgeist. Right. So, actually, I, I had those Pistol P videos. Yeah. And I watched them, and I did all those fucking drills. <laughs> right. The pretzel. And, and oh, the... yeah. I would just... And the little finger trip agility drills and the bouncing, the gonadal trauma avoidance <laughs> drills. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did them a lot. I get, For a guy that didn't play in high school, I got pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm probably not any good at all now. Can you dribble with both hands? Yes. yes. That's, then Separately. you're better than 90% Separately. of basketball I can, I can spin the ball on my finger really well. Nice. I'm really good at that. <laughs> uh, I, like, I, I was determined to dunk. But your uh, dad, your dad told him, told you about him. Yes, right. My dad told me about Pistol Pete. Yeah, and yeah. then I went, and, you know, looked all up about him, and I was yeah. like, oh hell yeah! And then I hear the thing is, all those predictions that his dad made about the game of basketball came true, other than yes. the twelve foot rim, yeah. unless you count Rock and Jock. Incredibly right. oh, classic true. Rock and, and Jock. And that style of play is the style of play for basketball now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is how the game is played. Right, and and. There, there, there are more quotes like Rafer Alston, Skip to My Lou, the street legend oh. from Anne One, who eventually went into play in the NBA. He's like, oh, I still watch Pistol Pete videos, and I did all those drills, and I still do them. They still work. There's a great yeah. YouTube video of him playing horse because he is the Pistol? perfect. He's perfect. He's the greatest horse he player plays, you'll um, ever see. He plays uh, really or not Earl Monroe, um, George Gervin. There's yes. one where he plays George yes. Gervin, the Iceman, and, he, and he, he does stuff that they can't do, and it's just so simple, like bouncing it off the floor. Right. Or throwing it behind his back and making the shot. It's not super flashy, but it is hard. Right. Of course. Of course that's hard. He yeah. would do stuff like he would go do um, kind of in his darker moments, he, he would go do um, some of these camps and stuff. And he would like 
throw it off the rafter and bounce it in into in the hoop and he would like look at the audience and say don't you ever doubt me <laughs> oh my god and, and our lord jesus <laughs> christ yeah i'm gonna bounce it off this heroin needle <laughs> what jesus christ <laughs> i'll fill the ball up aaron that was an absolutely fantastic Thank profile you, i'm, I'm really glad you like it i really god. love this dude um i love the story i absolutely yes. love that story the, the, i mean the kicker for me is the hard thing dude it's like it really that that is a that's a very killer twist that you say for the end that i really really enjoyed I absolutely loved that. That was fantastic storytelling. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. I really recommend... I mean, if you want to watch some videos after this, we totally should because they are fucking so dope. Yeah. He was really a magician with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just seems like... I mean, like... I mean, I'm not going to expound on it a ton because we need to wrap it up and, and say goodnight. But I, I think it's like it's kind of like what we were saying about Alexander Elekine is just there's, mm-hmm. there's no way for me to tell you all of the ways my mind yes. works and how much of my thoughts are developed in this one thing right. because only a handful of people get it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, um it's and, like, and it was and they were both earned by just such hard hard work and yeah, yeah. They and, weren't you know, he wasn't supremely physically gifted. Well, if only one thing matters to you and it's kind of a slight thing, there's only a couple of people you can really talk to on yeah. a very deep level. Yeah. You know, about... and they both died doing what they loved. Right, right. You know, it's. I mean, very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not where they imagined. They right. died in a shell of their greatest moment. Right, in right. Place. After re- reaching some fantastic heights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but with like Alakine, where it's like uh, against so and so, you you couldn't win. But against Alakine, you couldn't play. It's mm-hmm. how do you defend? Stuff you've never yeah. even thought of, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, the, the people who change—he changed the game. He did, yeah, he did. And in good ways and bad. Yes, yeah, <laughs> certainly, yeah. That's Pistol Pete. That, that was, was absolutely great. fantastic. Thanks Aaron. for letting me do that one. Thank yeah, uh, I'm gonna say good night, everybody. My name is John Fahey. My name is Aaron Pita. Mapper Soap. Good night, everybody.